0: Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus
1: is Chris Long. And good evening and welcome to News in Focus. And uh, of course, we used to say good afternoon, but our primary time now is Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. And we're glad that you've joined us. Uh, And we do have new time slots, and that's 7 p.m. on Tuesdays and 1 p.m. on Thursdays and Saturday afternoons at 4 p.m. right here on 1220 a.m. The Word. Well, we have a great program for you today. We are honored to have uh, former Senator Rick Santorum with us on the program. We're also going to have the former Miss Ohio, Melanie Miller, who is a candidate for the 67th House District, and we'll be talking to her a little later in the program. But I want to give a proper introduction to our good friend, Senator Rick Santorum. Of course, he was served in the U.S. Senate for 12 years. He served in the U.S. House of Representatives for four years. Uh, of course, he was a presidential candidate back in 2012 and came very close from being the nominee that year, as all of us remember the Santorum surge in, right here in Ohio. Uh, is where it came up a little short that year, and we wish he was the nominee, as he would have taken on Barack Obama that year. Unfortunately, it was Mitt Romney, and we know how that all turned out. Uh, but with that, Rick has been busy all over the years. Of course, he's been a conservative commentator on CNN, uh, and in fact, uh, the lone conservative, actually, and that's a very brave role over there at CNN over the years. Uh, but uh, things have changed. He's now with Newsmax, and actually, with Newsmax TV, he, is the senior advisor and also the senior advisor at Convention of States. Please welcome Senator Rick Santorum. Welcome, Rick.
0: Well, Chris, great to be with you. Thank you for that very long and kind introduction. I appreciate that, and uh, it's great to be talking to my friends in Ohio again.
1: Well, I'll tell you, right now, from what I can see, I saw another uh, national radio host, very happy to have you on the program this week, Eric Metaxas, right here on the Salem Network. Also, I just heard rousing uh, reports out of the National Religious Broadcasters uh, Convention last week, and you spoke there, and we heard uh, some really rousing reports about that, so... Uh, we're really glad that you're out there and lending your voice of wisdom and advice and counsel uh, politically, and it's very much needed these days, as uh, people are very much concerned about what they see in the political landscape. Your thoughts?
0: Well, it's not just the political landscape, it's the cultural landscape, it's the faith landscape. I mean, this you know that's one of my messages that I delivered to the leadership of the National Religious Broadcasters, which is you know, I appreciate all the great work they're doing and, and we certainly, you know, want to encourage them to do it, but let's just be honest. I mean, things are not going our way. I mean, faith is declining in America, particularly among young people. I mean, most young people in America don't know the Lord. And, uh, you know, we, we see record rates of depression and suicide and drug use and, uh, among young people. And, uh, you know, you can see what's going on in Washington DC and and I guess the message I did, you know in some I said you know appreciate your work but I'm not I'm not very much for participation trophies uh you know I I like to win and you know we have the truth we have we have the word of god and and we're not we're not doing a very good job with it and uh you know we just have to and I and I you know I talked about my time at CNN and how you know, I was canceled from CNN for standing up for the truth. I uh, didn't apologize for it. You know, I've, I've lost elections. I've been fired. I've been, uh, you, you name it. And, uh, you know, I didn't ask this, but I think I got the point across, which is, you know, how many of you have been fired for standing up and for the truth? How many of you have been canceled? How many of you have, you know, lost a friend or two because you took, you had the courage to stand up and fight for what the truth is. And um, the answer is the other side will and we won't. And as you see from Ukraine, uh, the side that really wants it, the side that's all in, the side that really is dug in and said, you know, we're not going to lose. I'll take that side. Even though we may not have the tools, uh, they had the passion. And unfortunately, the other side has the passion. And uh, and that's why we continue to see slippage. And until we get that passion back and get that commitment and have the courage to stand for truth and not just accept what everybody else says is true, then... Um, and we're going to continue to lose.
1: Well, that's right. And, you know, I'm thinking a couple of years ago, you and I spoke, it was actually early in uh, President Trump's first uh years in office, there was some discussion about doing away with the filibuster in the U.S. Senate, and I remember you coming on this program yeah. and and saying, I have to yeah. tell you that you're wrong about that, and you gave a great explanation as to why the filibuster was needed, and you said, my years in the Senate it has really kept back a lot of the radical left agenda when we had the filibuster, and so you were prophetic, and I want to say that you were right. Uh, there were people clamoring, uh, who are Trump supporters, let's do away, let's go nuclear option, let's get away with the filibuster. But right now we can see that the filibuster, as you said, Senator Rick Sandorum, you stated it, is, we need the filibuster, we need that firewall against the radical left. And we can see right now that Joe Machen, Senator from uh, West Virginia, and Kirsten Sinema are actually holding the line and saving the republic. Uh, by their no votes of the, against the radical left, or we would really be in a fix. Your thoughts about that?
0: No, it, thank you for remembering that. But that's absolutely true. In fact, uh, you know we we have seen uh, the centralization of power and the the impediments that our founding fathers put in place to make sure that the federal government did not become authoritarian, did not become all powerful, did not grab all the uh, all the uh, ability to dictate every aspect of our lives and, and put it in a handful of people in Washington D.C. They believed in federalism. They believed that the states should be where the primary uh, power should be, not because they thought they would necessarily be better at it, but what they, what they did believe is that if one state went off the deep end, you know what? You can always move. You can go to another state. And by the way, that's exactly what's happening in America today. Uh, federalism is working. People are. Uh, you know, moving from California, they're moving from New York, they're moving from Connecticut, and they're and they're going to places like Texas and Florida and and other folks, uh, you know, in, in Arizona where where freedom uh, exists. And and that's that's exactly how it should work here. We we shouldn't have uh, California take control with Nancy Pelosi or New York with Chuck Schumer get to Washington and say we're going to impose New York and California values on Ohio no, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And, uh, and the, the idea that's that's one of the reasons, candidly, I got involved with the convention of states projects, because that's what this convention of states project is all about. It's about restoring federalism, It's about limiting the power of the federal government. And, um, right here in Ohio, you're having a debate in your state legislature right now, uh, to, to give us, uh, to give us that, that ability, uh, to have a convention to propose amendments to limit the power of the federal government. So, it's a it's an exciting time, and it's a time when I think we really need people to engage, and an, because we have an opportunity uh, to to turn this clock around and and get this get this country back on the right track.
1: That we're talking to Rick Santorum, and uh, currently he is a contributor with Newsmax uh, Television, and also he is a senior advisor at the Convention of States. Uh, Rick is speaking around the country. He just came out of the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, where he spoke there, and uh, we're glad that he's with us on News & Focus today. You know, Rick, um, you continue the work, and of course, uh, you had, uh, you've had you you've had an illustrious political career, and people are continuing to look to you for, as really a senior advisor, as a statesman at this point, uh, your voice is so needed, because we have seen such... Um, tribal politics over the last number of years on both sides of the aisle and we've seen uh, you know this combativeness that's that's happened and of course the radical left has uh, been the culprit of all of this I mean communism socialism that's their goal is to basically cause disruption uh, to co- create chaos we saw it in the Obama years and it's only accelerated uh, when we look at uh, President Biden I mean he first of all he seems quite honestly the 25th amendment comes to mind not actually mentally uh, fit for office. I mean, there's questions yeah. about that. He's starting to Absolutely. slip m- mentally. Absolutely. You have a vice president who, obviously, she can't even just read the teleprompter in the script. Uh, and when she goes off script, it's it's exposing, and it's actually very embarrassing to our nation and on the national stage. And then you look at the administration, but it's the powers behind the scene uh, who are actually creating these chaoses. So in Ohio, where we have a battleground uh over the maps in ohio and i know north carolina and florida is f- facing the same thing and former state attorney general uh u.s attorney general, general excuse me eric holder is filing these lawsuits he's being funded by george soros but they're wreaking havoc uh with our redistricting uh plan here in ohio with this with our maps and it's still in the courts your thoughts on that
0: no it's it it certainly is happening everywhere uh You know, it's it's funny if 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 there's gerrymandering, if there's redistricting that favors the Democrats, that's okay. It's only it's only redistricting that favors Republicans that is uh, that's racist and 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 you know is is uh, is is trying to violate constitutional norms. I mean, this is just purely politics, and uh, and you know, unfortunately, you know, Pennsylvania just went through this situation where uh, the governor basically stonewalled the redistricting and threw it to the state supreme court, which is controlled by Democrats. And of course they passed the Democrat map. Uh, and and so we, you know, they as we did 10 years ago, went to the Supreme Court and said, look, it says in the Constitution that the legislatures are the ones who are supposed to do this, not the courts. Right. And you have to you have to give deference to the legislature. And 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 here you have a situation where it's clear Ohio's probably another situation where where the, the courts have just stepped in and uh, and it, to, to a duly elected, a duly elected process to be able to, to draw these maps, and unfortunately, I mean, we can't. And this is the the reason, the reason I'm, I'm, you know, pushing for a convention of the states because you can't count on the Supreme Court. Even a Supreme Court that's supposedly a conservative court has passed on 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 dealing with this issue. Uh, it's it's one of those things where uh, you know we, we have to we have to get we have to get things. Solid again in the in the supreme in the um, in the constitution. A lot of our constitutional provisions have been corrupted uh, by the court. They've taken language and 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 twisted it and turned it so you don't even understand what the what the original uh, has nothing to do with the original meeting that was in the constitution. Now that doesn't happen overnight. It took 150 years for them to do it. So that's why I think the answer is let's get back. Let's propose amendments. Let's put them in the constitution. And at least it'll be good for another 100, 150 years before the court messes it up again.
1: Well, you know, the states fighting back, um, we have seen that with the vaccine mandates, for instance, yeah. and uh, with the OSHA order. But, uh, you know, the CMS order with health care workers, we saw where the court really divided the baby, where they, they sided with uh, the people when it came to OSHA order from the administration. But with CMS, which is basically, um, you know, the Medicare and Medicaid dollars, um. Uh, uh. And so everyone who is receiving those yeah. and those hospital workers, they were they allowed that to stand, and and so people lost their rights who were healthcare workers for years, and many of them had natural immunity. I mean that none of yeah. that was taken into account. Um, well, that
0: comes back to that comes back to elections have consequences, and I know there are people now. Ohio did the right thing. They they supported President Trump, but. You know, a lot of states, a lot of voters in this country were just so upset with the president because of his personal behavior and his mean tweets and uh, his, um, you know, his his demeanor sometimes when he gets out there in the public. And I can understand that. I understand how people can be upset with that and how that offended people. And and I know a lot of people who were. But I tell you what's more offensive, (laughs) losing your freedom. I tell you what's more offensive, having a weak president who gets us into potentially World War Three. Those are the things that are much more offensive and much more harmful to the country than tolerating someone who has, you know, who is an intemperate, who has an intemperate mouth. Uh, And so that's that to me is 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 really what it comes down to. And uh, unfortunately, we're we're stuck for another almost three years with the current president and much damage can be done. And that's why these elections coming up are so important uh, to uh, to take back the House and Senate and at least block some of the really horrible things that he's trying to do.
1: Well, that's right, and people lose sight of that goal, I think, sometimes. There were so many people jaded uh, that we talked to on the ground, grassroots, and saying, oh, they're just going to steal the election, look what they did in 2020. And, of course, we can turn that around, but building a, a wave, a red wave for November, uh, we're all about doing. The-, the fact is, though, is that uh, every day that this is first stalled, with this battle over the maps, with these lawsuits being Uh, filed by Eric Holder and uh, the political left. They are creating distraction and confusion, and when people look at inflation, they look at the gas pump, they look at uh, the fears of the national media with uh, uh, what's happening in Ukraine as Europe is exploding, Uh, this is where people are distracted from their everyday lives. I mean, when we think about Uh, What should be happening right now is moving, marching towards the election uh, to get these conservatives into office. They're being distracted by this, and I think it's intentional. Your thoughts?
0: Well, uh, on the issue of election integrity, let me just say this: you know this, every listener knows this. Evil prospers in the dark shadows. I mean, that's that's that. You know, when it's when you're not when when nobody's looking, uh, that's when it's a lot easier to get away with things, and that's why I think it's really important that everybody take their civic responsibility that they they took for granted which is to get out there on election day and watch uh, get out there and in, particularly in polling places where there aren't Republicans uh, where there are very few Republicans demand polling places like in Cleveland and you know in and, and Cincinnati and, and and other other urban areas where there just aren't very many Republicans to watch what's going on at the polls uh, make sure that you have that, that you have people at the polling places watching what's going on, because if you have eyes on, it's, it's much, much harder uh, to do any kind of fraudulent things. And again, people won't even try. I know you think, oh, there's all these things going behind the scenes. No, I mean, it's it's, it's not it, it's it's not easy to cheat uh, in, on a grand scale. It's easy to cheat on a small scale. It's easy for someone who's not supposed to vote to vote. But on a, on a grand scale that could have any kind of impact on an election, that's actually very hard to do if people are watching. And, and so the key for us is people need to be watching. And, uh, and you know, election integrity starts with you. And I always and you say, well, you know, we don't have time to do that. And my answer to that is, well, freedom's hard. You know, there's no, there's, freedom is not the natural state of things. Freedom is not how, as you look around the world, freedom, and free, freedom is, is decreasing in the world. It's not expanding. Why? Because it's hard. It's not the natural state. Authoritarianism is the natural state. What you see growing in America, this socialistic, progressive authoritarianism, is the norm in the world. And we need free people to fight for their freedom. We see the cost that the Ukrainians are paying to stand up and fight for freedom. We're asking a lot less to make sure that we have honest and fair elections. And and, uh, the best way to do that is to be involved.
1: Absolutely, and we're we're pushing poll working all across the yep. state, and that's I agree with you completely. That it's about having witnesses there every step along the way as the ballots are being processed, both Democrat and Republicans equally. I like to uh, equate it to it's two groups of thieves co- counting over the same pot of money, and that's the way that the ballots are, and so you have to have that kind of equity all along the way, and that's how you keep integrity in elections. Rick, I want to turn the corner here in the final minutes of the program to talk about Ukraine. Uh, in your opinion, what should you, the U.S. be doing right now? And also, to follow up, what shouldn't we be doing?
0: Well, uh, first thing we shouldn't be doing uh, is we shouldn't be telling him what we're not going to do. <laughs> I, that's one of the things that, that has bothered me from the very beginning of this conflict, is that Joe Biden has gone out of his way to, to, to give comfort to Vladimir Putin that certain things are off the table. You know, one of the things that uh, I think kept Russia from any kind of expansionist or China, any kind of expansionist ideas during the Trump administration is Donald Trump never took anything off the table. <laughs> you just never knew what Donald Trump was going to do. And that that uncertainty is so important. You know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's incredible uh, that, that we have a president who is so afraid of Vladimir Putin, so afraid of Iran, and so afraid of our enemies that he's willing to just concede so much to them in order to get in their good graces so they'll be nice to us. That, um, being nice to evil people uh, who, who, who see this as weakness and see this as an opportunity to prey on your weakness is, is damaging to our national security and to our country. So uh, that's the first thing that he shouldn't do, and that is uh, to, to, to give comfort to Vladimir Putin that, uh, you know, that he can do certain things without any consequence. Uh, you know, strategic ambiguity is a good thing when it comes to these kinds of conflicts. So that's number one. What we should be doing is, (laughs) I think everyone's talked about this. I'll just add my voice to it. We should be producing oil and gas in this country, you know, in in Southwestern Ohio in particular, and and in in, uh, Western Pennsylvania. And look, we have the best technologies to get gas and oil out of the ground. We have the cleanest technology, the most environmentally friendly technology. And we're going to places that, are the worst polluters on the planet when it comes to oil and gas production. Iran, Venezuela, I mean, Venezuela is the worst.
1: Unbelievable.
0: We're going, we're going to them. So those are the things that we should be doing. We should be supplying them with all the weapons that they need, even, I mean, certainly MiGs and, and anti-aircraft mi- missiles. We need to get more robust in, in our ability to uh, to support the Ukrainian people. I think this war... Is not going to last as long as some people think, because I think the Ukrainians are going to hang tough, and if we, as long as we continue to give them the resources to do so.
1: The no-fly zone request, many believe that that will accelerate um, the um, unfolding of this conflict in and bringing in the NATO powers. How can a no-fly zone request be uh, responded to without? tipping the scale to where uh, things get out of hand?
0: Yeah, I, I don't think we can do a no-fly zone in, in in the sense of how our military looks at that. A no-fly zone r- requires us to take out, basically, air superiority, to take out all of the threats, which is all of the anti-aircraft missiles have to be destroyed. All those batteries have to be destroyed. Well, a lot of those batteries are in Russia and Belarus. So... You know we're not going to go in and t- and, and take out Russian and Belarus uh, anti aircraft That means we're not going to have uh, real protection, if you will, from uh, from from those uh, from those missiles. Uh, so we can't really accomplish a no fly zone without hitting assets outside of the country or hitting Russian assets in the country. Either way, we're attacking Russia, and so that's that's not going to that's not something that uh, I think anybody in America or very few people in America see as. Is a viable option. There are other options available to us. I mean, there's there's humanitarian airlifts, or sort of like the Berlin airlift. Uh, if if uh, a country, a non-aligned country, let's say an African country, were willing to work with the UN and the UN-sponsored humanitarian airlift into Mariupol, for example, down on the on the on the uh, on the sea on the Sea down there. I mean, those would be would be would be a uh, a, a place an, an opportunity for us. To get a humanitarian aid in, uh, you know, could the Russians shoot down a humanitarian airlift plane? Yes, I guess they could, but I, I sincerely doubt they would. Uh, and, and and again, would add to their list of humanitarian uh, war crimes. Uh, but I think it should be tried. And that's one option. The other option is potentially, again, getting non-aligned countries, uh, the U.N. in particular, to create a safe zone in Western uh, Kyiv. Excuse me, Western Ukraine, it's outside of Lviv, for example. So those are, those are options, not NATO kinds of things. But again, being creative, uh, being forward leaning, not reactive to what Putin dictates. But we start dictating things. We start pushing things and, and, and challenging his, uh, his, you know, horrific war machine.
1: Well, we are having our people pray for Ukraine. Uh, lots of missionaries and Christian churches are sending aid yeah. right now. Samaritan's Purse is on the ground. Also, uh, a lot of uh, humanitarian aid is pouring into the country. We're going to continue to pray and pray for our administration. Uh, you know, this is its so desperate right now. And, and Rick, thank you for what you're doing. And uh, being an advisor to so many, and actually being a voice of reason right now, and it's so needed. Thank you, for my friend.
0: Thanks, Chris. God bless.
1: God bless you. Again, that was uh, Senator Rick Santorum, and... Um We're glad that you were able to join us today. In fact, if you've missed any of this interview, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Stay tuned. On the other side, we're going to talk to Melanie Miller, former Miss Ohio, who's now running in the Ohio House in the 67th Ohio House District. That's the new district map, and we'll talk to her on the other side. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Almighty God, our sons, of our nation.
1: Trust Blue Review. And welcome, uh, many of you. This is a new time for News and Focus, the uh, weekly broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance right here on WHKW 1220 AM, The Word, and 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights, so just mark your calendar and on your phone, that each uh, week will be with you. Uh, the program starts uh, at 7 p.m. and we go for the full hour. And then Wednesday, I'm sorry, Thursdays at 1 p.m. And again, it's Saturdays at 4 p.m. So uh, if you miss Tuesday night's program, you can catch it again Thursday afternoons at one. And Saturdays at 4 p.m. is our new time slot. So we're glad that you're with us tonight. I also want to say that if you've been following this program for a number of years, we could really use your financial support to help stay on the air. How do you do that? Well, you can go online to our website, Ohio. Christian Alliance. And there's a donate button right at the top of the page. Any amount of donation that you can make at this time would really be appreciated and very helpful. We just finished up with our interview with Senator Rick Santorum and talking about the filibuster, how that's really saving us from the radical left in Washington right now, with Joe Machen and Kirsten Cinema actually voting against the Democrats on HBO. Uh, 5 and H.R. 1, which was going to be a sweeping reform of our election system, which would have been disastrous. Also pushing the radical uh, homosexual agenda through uh, H.R. 5, that was stopped as well. So Some good things have come out of the filibuster. Senator Rick Santorum, a few years ago on this program, talked about, hey, it would be a bad idea to get rid of the filibuster, when a lot of people were saying, hey, let's just go the simple majority when Trump was in and the Republicans held the House and Senate. Obviously, he was prophetic, and he was absolutely correct, because if we didn't have the filibuster right now, folks, we would be in a world of hurt. So thankfully, uh, with the good godly wisdom of Senator Rick Santorum and others, they kept the filibuster in place. And uh, now it's working to slow things down, as it were. But with that said, obviously, many of you are facing inflation as you go to the grocery store, and the cost of food is really skyrocketed at the pump. Uh, we can see the gas prices because the Biden administration is against fossil fuels, the fuels. They're shutting down oil and gas wells all over the country. They stopped the XL pipeline. Um, they have uh, capped the wells in so many places. They're stopping drilling on uh, na- uh uh, national park land and uh, so many things that they're doing that is really hurting us with our energy production in this country and making us dependent on foreign oil. When just a few years ago we were energy independent under President Trump, think that, mark that. I mean, since I was, uh, you know, a young man in my in the '70s, first driving, um, we had uh, oil embargoes back there by the Middle East and. Uh, all these years we strove for energy independence, and under President Trump we finally got there, only to have it unraveled by the Biden administration. A terrible situation. Well, we have an election coming in the state, and right now it's still slated. The primary is May 3rd, and if you go to our website, you'll see the new maps that were drawn, and again, this is the third version of them, uh, both the Ohio House, the Ohio Senate, and the congressional maps, and if they hold, if the court, the state court, allows them to be upheld this week, um, then we're off and running. Uh, But stay tuned, because we don't know what Maureen O'Connor and the Democrats are going to do on the state Supreme Court. And many of you have heard our programs uh, about this, lamenting about what's gone on as the the process has been hijacked by Maureen O'Connor. Well, with that said, we do have district maps that have been redrawn, and we have some exciting candidates that are in the race uh, for the May 3rd primary, running for state house. And with us on the phone is Melanie Miller. She is currently the Executive Director of the Ashland Pregnancy Services in Ashland, Ohio. She is the wife of the Mayor of Ashland. That's Matt Miller, our good friend. And she's former Miss Ohio, and she has thrown her hat in the ring and is running in the 67th Ohio House District. Melanie, welcome to the program.
2: Hello, Chris. Thank you so much for having me as your guest today.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And uh, you know, you're off and running in this race. And tell us a little bit about the campaign so far.
2: (laughs) Well, it is going very well, Chris. You know, I am so encouraged by um, the response that I receive uh, from people throughout the district. Of course, the sixty seventh district encompasses all of Ashland County and the western portion of Medina county, including the city of Brunswick. And uh, we have been hitting the campaign trail trying to meet as many people as possible. And uh, people are really encouraged that I have put my name in the ring. Um, I am somebody who wants to stand strong for Christian conservative values, to be a voice for the unborn in Columbus, um, and to protect our freedoms. I know we all are experiencing that our freedoms are on the line. They're being taken away each and every day. And I want to defend our freedom of speech, uh, right to bear arms, and freedom of religion.
1: Well, you are a native of uh, Northeast Ohio. Tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Absolutely. Well, I was born and raised in the city of Brook Park, Ohio, right around um, the Cleveland area by the airport. And um, there I graduated from Cleveland State University. I received a bachelor's degree. Um, in digital media and film production, also in journalism. And um, from there, I had a dream of being Miss Ohio and going to Miss America. And so I worked hard to make that dream become a reality. And then my second time I competed at Miss Ohio, I won the crown. And, um, and on that journey, um, God has worked in my heart to bring me to a place of um, salvation to a place of surrender. And so on my journey, I met my future husband, Matt Miller, who we have now been married over 14 years. Boy, does that fly by. <laughs> Congratulations. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And truly, uh, you know, truly, I have dedicated my life for the last 20 plus years to to public service. We love the community. We love serving. Um, we love people. And um, I, that's really something God has put in both Matt and I's heart. And um, and then, of course, when, we, when I got married, decided to uh, still wanted to compete, and so there's a pageant for married women. So I competed at Mrs. Ohio and won went to Mrs. America, have met incredible women through across, across the country. Um, but through those experiences, I really began to learn more about what God's gifting and um, calling on my life really was, and, and truly it's been for not only the gospel, which is first and foremost but I've really began to find my passion for the sanctity of life for the pro-life movement. And, um, and so since I have been married, we have been involved in in the pro-life movement. And about seven years ago I stepped into my role as executive director of Ashland pregnancy care center. And, um, and in my role, we have, we have grown, we have uh, grown our budget from, 150,000 to um, almost half a million now, and we have added all kinds of services, including a new service, which we're very excited about because we believe we're able to save more and more lives, is Abortion Pill Rescue Network. So our center is now part of the Abortion Pill Rescue Network, which (laughs) Um, Chris, I'm not sure if you're aware, but over the last two years with COVID 19, we have seen abortion in our country become more accessible and has really been um, the choice for women um, when wanting to terminate a pregnancy is chemical abortion, which can be done in the first 10 weeks. And so with the abortion pill, we have realized that it's a two pill process. And after a young lady starts the first pill within 72 hours, if she regrets beginning that abortion, there's a process called the reversal, and our center is, is launching this service, and uh, not only as a consulting center but as a, a, a treatment center where we can help um, prescribe progesterone, which is a natural hormone that women already make in their body, and that's what helps the baby continue to grow. Um, and it's a, a process of giving her an increased dose of progesterone um, which is all the good stuff that would hopefully counteract the bad stuff in her body and save her pregnancy. And so we are just so thrilled to be a part of this um, life-saving network um, right here in Ashland, Ohio.
1: Well, that's a very exciting, and of course, um, the great work that you've had there, raising the budget, uh, increasing it, and in the outreach. And I went to your—I think it was your 40th anniversary last year of the uh, of the service. And let's see how many children have been saved over the years. I love that number.
2: <laughs> we have over two thousand babies that we know of that have been saved, that have celebrated a birthday since 1981, and wow. And when we see them every day, I will tell you, Chris, there is no greater joy than seeing a child and the gift that they are. They truly are a gift from the Lord. When you see them, when we see our moms come in um, after they have a baby and we can celebrate that milestone in their life. Oh. And when their baby comes in perfect and you see all five fingers and toes and the perfect little eyes and eyelashes and ears and nose, it's just a miracle life is, and it's just a reminder of how good our Heavenly Father is as well.
1: Well, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the banquet this year. Last year you had Abby Johnson, who was fantastic, uh, and helped uh, with the annual banquet this year. Give us the dates on the banquet and who your keynote speaker is this year.
2: Yes, we are so excited. Abby was incredible, and uh, people are still being touched by her story and testimony. Um, This year, uh, Chris, we are going back to our traditional fundraising banquet. Um, We are hoping to have a sold out crowd at Ashland University at the Convocation Center. Um, The date will be Thursday, April 21st. Thursday, April 21st. Doors open at 530 uh, with the program and dinner beginning at 6 p.m. It will be a plated Delicious dinner, and we are going to do an evening with the one and only evangelist, Doctor Alveda King. Oh yeah! And uh, we are just so thrilled to have her. I really believe that her her testimony, um, the message, the calling God has placed on her life is really something that people in our communities need to hear now more than ever. Um, obviously, a little bit about Doctor Alvita King. She's obviously very well known for being the niece of the the late uh, Martin Luther King Jr., and she was there as a little girl when her uncle did the I Have a Dream speech in Washington, D.C. But she also is a post-abortive woman, and um, she talks about how her granddaddy was the one that saved her children and how many children she's had since then. And of course, she's been a part of um, Trump's cabinet and has been awarded many awards. She's been in, created many organizations like Priest for Life. She's on Fox News with her own program, Alvita's House. But she is just a great spokesperson, not only for Jesus Christ, but for life.
1: Yeah, she's a wonderful gal. Well, a, that's going to be a great time. Again, that's April 21st at the Ashland Convocation Center. That's on the grounds of the Ashland University. How can people register for the banquet?
2: Absolutely. You can do it right online. Very simple. You can visit our website, ashlandcarecenter.org forward slash banquet. Click the big teal button and follow the prompts to get registered. Or if you'd like more information or you would like to talk with us directly, you can call us at 419-281-1111.
1: Very good. Well, we'll count that as kind of a, a little ad within our interview, okay, <laughs> because Wonderful, we'll kind you. of turn the page here, because you are a candidate for office, separate from your role as the Executive Director of the Ashland Pregnancy Care Services, of which you've done a great job, and I love that number, 2,000 children over the years in the 40-year history of that ministry of saving Babies from abortion. God bless you all and all the work that they do. But let's talk about your candidacy for the State House. This is obviously a very tumultuous political year already. As we talked about at the beginning of the program, the map battle right now is we have a redistricting commission that was basically voted on by the Ohio voters back in 2015. And the commission is made up of the governor, the auditor, the secretary of state, the speaker of the House, the Senate president, the minority leader in the House, the minority leader. In the Senate, and so it's a five-two margin right now between the Republicans and Democrats. That's how it worked according to the last election, and then they wrangle over the maps of how it is a representation of the people of Ohio, and given uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 response of the last election as far as turnout between Democrat and Republican areas, and uh, so it's not a perfect science, and it's supposed to be an anti-gerrymandering effort. Well. That's easier said than done because there's certain rules that still have to be followed. So again, not a perfect sci- science, and it divides up the state for Ohio House. There's 99. 99. There's 99 House seats. There's um, uh, 33 state Senate seats, and of course now we're down to 15 congressional seats. Right. So what what do we do? Well, uh, they've had the first map, and then the court, and then the Democrats didn't like them, and they filed suit. Well, what's interesting about that, Melanie? is that this was supposed to have been a compromised agreement between the two parties, the Democrats and Republicans. They put it on the ballot. Um, It didn't go through a citizen's effort to get on the ballot. It went through the legislature, and it was an agreement between the two parties and all interested groups, including the League of Women Voters, and said, okay, we'll agree with this. In other words, if we don't agree with the maps, there'll be four-year maps. And uh, if we all agree, if it's all unanimous, then it'll be 10-year maps. Well, there was not agreement. And so they are four-year maps. But, oh, hey, here comes Eric Holder and George Soros and Barack Obama, and they file suit. And the League of Women Voters, and they file suit in state court. And I'm like, wait, what's going on here? And then uh, Maureen O'Connor gets involved, she switches with the Democrats, and says, okay, um, The maps are unconstitutional. That's just a big word to say, okay, we don't like the maps. Uh, Then they go back and they redraw again the second version. Again, the Democrats object, okay, they're four-year maps. Oh, no, here we go. We're going back to court now. I'm like, wait a second. I thought we had an agreement. They're four-year maps instead of of 10-year maps. We'll wrangle over this in four years. Oh, no, we're going to go back to court. And Eric Holder is filed again as well, and those same folks, the League of Women Voters. Well, anyways, here we go before the court. Now what happens? Uh, they're they're not good. They're unconstitutional. Now you've got dissenting opinions by justices Kennedy and Justice DeWine. Justice Fisher said, "Wait a second, this court is starting to commandeer the press, pro, uh, the process of the redistricting commission. They're not the ones to draw the maps. The commission is, and so you have a really strict." Uh, dissenting opinion, stinging uh, dissenting opinion by the minority at this point. That's just supposed to be the majority, but they're a minority on the court. And here we are with the third version of maps. So your thoughts about <laughs> the MAP uh, battle and where your district is right now?
2: Hmm. Well, I honestly cannot believe that this has been allowed to go on for as long as it has, because ultimately this is impacting the election and our men and women overseas who are serving our country to be a part of the democratic process. Uh, but on, honestly, right now for the 67th district, um, at least our district in Ashland County and the portion of uh, Medina Western portion, our maps on both the Republican and democratic maps have not changed. So I'm pretty certain that at least our district where I'm running in the 67th district for the Ohio house of representatives, I am pretty confident that we are are secure where we're located. Obviously, right now it's still the primary, but just um, yesterday I spoke to the Secretary of State's office, and uh, they were they were still planning to move forward and planning for the May third primary for all of the races to be on that ticket. Because soon the Board of Elections will be printing the ballots, and once those are printed, then it is that it is set. And so um, this has been a, I think more than anything, Chris, the biggest challenges. Um, I think it uh, for the for voters for citizens it people are beginning to lose confidence, if you will, in this process with these games that are being played. And the reality is, we do know that our elections are secure, at least in at least in the state of Ohio. Yes, uh, our folks do a great job, but it, it, it does it definitely looks bad on, on our on our people by by having this back and forth, back and forth, where we can't work together, we can't get along, we can't make a decision. And quite frankly, people are very confused as to who do I vote for? Because, you know, for some of the congressional candidates, they've changed three different districts. Uh, Their numbers changed three different times over these maps. And so I think even just our citizens are so confused also as to what is happening.
1: Well, and this is what's happening. It's an outside group that's wreaking havoc in the state of Ohio. It shouldn't be happening. But Maureen O'Connor, the Chief Justice, is allowing them to have standing and she shouldn't be doing that. Let me read again the statement uh, for the benefit of our listeners. Uh, We put this statement out last week. As we have been telling you, the group is led by Eric Holder, President Obama's former Attorney General. The National Redistricting Action Fund is an affiliate of the National Democratic Redistricting Committee. That's a national group, an outside group. The question is, Will the Ohio Supreme Court continue to allow an outside special interest partisan group to draw Ohio's maps and stop Ohioans from voting as the lawsuits continue to delay the election indefinitely? Or will they allow the Constitutionally Ordered Redistricting Commission to do its work without interference from outside partisan political groups? How many times does it have to be said that without unanimous agreement, they are four-year maps, not 10-year maps, let ohioans vote and that was our statement from the ohio christian alliance and so we very well may hear later this week we hope and pray and we're asking you all to pray that these maps will be upheld and we can get to the voting and, you know, that's how we express ourselves, Melanie, in this representative form of government. We're frustrated right now with gas, pr- gas prices, with food prices. And one way to get it back is obviously for the Republicans to take control of Congress once again and stop the madness that the Democratic left is doing in Washington and in uh, Columbus. As Rick Santorum was saying, federalism, that is the states fighting back against the overreach of a federal government that wants a dictate to the state. your thoughts along those lines
2: absolutely I mean I I stand with you at Ohio Christian Alliance what you guys are are what you stand for I I don't really have a whole lot more to add Chris on that but absolutely
1: well, again, I want folks to be familiar with your district again, so let's go, you, you're you getting familiar with these townships as you're meeting with people. Again, it's all of Ashland County, and it's the western edge of Medina County, and it kind of goes like a stair step all the way up to Brunswick, right. so the big city of Brunswick is in your district as well, and then west of Medina City proper, and the western regions of Medina County. Your thoughts There.
2: Absolutely. So our our district uh, represents, um, yes, the seven townships. So Homer, Spencer, Chatham, Litchfield, York, Liverpool, Brunswick Hills, and including the city of Brunswick. So kind of that upper third there of of Medina. And, you know, Chris, I will say a lot of people have asked me um, lately, do you think that uh, the values of the way that the district has been drawn, do you think they are um, alike. And truly, as I have been on the campaign trail, as I've met people in both Medina and Ashland counties, I really believe that our district, the 67th district, has been drawn well, because I honestly believe that our people's views and um, our stances are very similar, very like-minded. And so I honestly believe that this is, a, this is a great district that I think—I um, honestly believe that I am the best suited for. Out of all the candidates running, they're all great people, um, but I honestly believe that I stand for their uh, conservative Christian values and uh, will be that voice for them in the Ohio State House.
1: How can people follow your campaign? Do you have a website?
2: I sure do. My website is MelanieMillerForOhio.com. Miller4Ohio.com. You can learn more about the issues that I plan to address, my guiding principles, but also if people want to ask a question on a particular issue, there's a, a contact form there as well. Or if you'd like to support or volunteer um, with our campaign, you can do that. You can request a yard sign. Or if you would like to help contribute, Chris, I know you know, and I know many people listening know that um, obviously, the longer this election is drawn out, it becomes more and more costly, especially successful campaigns. You have to spend money to be able to be in front of the voters. And so if someone would like to contribute, make a donation to the campaign, you can do so right on my website, Melanie Miller for Ohio. And that's spelled out for for ohiocom
1: So the Ohio Christian Alliance is going to be submitting surveys to the candidates, and we're going to have the voter guide available uh as the early voting will begin april 5th and so where the candidates stand on important issues obviously melanie you're pro-life you're pro-family uh you believe in the second amendment uh governor dewine just signed a um uh carry bill for the state of ohio which doesn't i mean it's a you don't have to have a permit anymore of concealed carry in the state of ohio is your thoughts on that bill are you in support of that
2: in my understanding it's constitutional carry is that correct
1: uh well yeah they've they've tweaked it a little bit yes but it's it's okay. similar to that yes
2: yes I, I mean I believe I believe we need to have less regulations I think that's one of the things that's so confusing about our Second Amendment rights is um, there is there's different laws in each state and there's restrictions and then there's red flag laws and so I I am all in favor about going back to the simplicity of our Constitution that the Second Amendment is the right to bear arms. And uh, I am in favor of that constitutional carry bill.
1: What would you most like to see happen when you get if you were to elected by the people of the 67th district, what would you most like to see happen in Columbus in your first term?
2: Mm-hmm. Well Chris, I am I am passionate about life and for me, I think if even if I am limited to my one year or two years as a, a state representative, I would love to see the heartbeat bill become law in the state of Ohio. A few years ago, we passed that in our state, but it's still being held in the courts, held up in the courts. And so I believe a bill similar to the state of Texas that has been passed last September, I would love to see there to be more protection for the unborn in our state. And so that would be an area of focus and of interest to me.
1: Again, my guest has been Melanie Miller. She is a candidate for the 67th Ohio House District. Melanie, thank you for being my guest today.
2: Thank you so much, Chris.
1: God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at OhioCA.org. Also, uh, we had Rick Santorum on the program as well, and you can uh, share that on our podcast is also available there at our website at ohioca.org. And again, to help us stay on the air, make a contribution at our new time here at 7 p.m. on Tuesday evenings, uh, Thursday afternoons at 1 p.m., and Saturdays at 4 p.m. right here on WHKW 1220 AM, The Word. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll see you next week.